Let's pray as we get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, for the cross. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we have nothing. Without your shed blood, we are still dead indeed in our sins. Father, thank you for giving us your Son. Without you, again, we are alone. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, this morning we are so grateful. What a reminder of who you are and what you are. Father, for these two that have asked Jesus into their heart, asked them to be their Savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Father, we'll pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope the song service has been a blessing to you already. Sometimes I think after the song service, we'll just wrap her up, have some prayer, and go home because it's been that good. So unfortunately, this morning I have to preach. I'm sorry. Some of you are thinking, no, you don't have to. Go to Acts chapter 4 with me, if you would. Acts chapter 4. This morning I want to do something just a little bit different than I normally do. We're, we're going to be reading a story in the Bible, but before we do, I believe it's important that I introduce you to the characters of that story. In every, in every story, in just about every story, the characters are the most important part of the story. They're the one who carry the story. And so these characters have, a, have great many points of contact in the Bible, and it takes just a little bit of time to develop these characters. And so hopefully you'll take some notes this morning, you'll write these things down so you remember, so that when we get to the story, you'll remember who these people are. You'll see why this is all important as to when we get there, but I'm going to ask you to just stay with me. Okay, I know that's tough for you. Um, many people have, like me have a very short attention span, so I'll try and keep it as exciting as possible while we develop these characters. But the first thing that I want you to see this morning is found in Acts chapter 4. Look with me in verse 36. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, the Bible says this, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, he was a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The first character I want to introduce you to this morning is Barnabas the encourager. Barnabas, the encourager. Already here in verse 36, we see that Barnabas is, uh, is called the son of consolation. The son of consolation. If you don't know what consolation means, it means comfort or encouragement. And so he's nicknamed this by the apostles because he is just simply one of those guys who is always encouraging people. And here in this story, he's already doing so by having land and selling it. He's encouraging those people, hey, listen, I know you have need in your area of life over here, and so I have land, I can sell it, and I can help meet that need. Notice again, verse 36, excuse me, verse 37, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, and the apostles would then take it and distribute that money wherever was needed. So here, already, Barnabas is doing some encouraging. Barnabas is being the son of consolation. Let me put it to you this way. So Barnabas has a talent. Barnabas has an ability, and he is using that talent. He is using that ability for the purpose of the Lord. He is using 
his talent, he's using his ability to encourage people. But not just encourage people, encourage them in the Lord. Character number one. Character number two is found in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. I'm going to get you to turn to every passage just to keep you awake. If you want, pull out your phone, pull out your iPad. Let's stay with me, okay? We're using the King James Version. We're in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says this. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, the way of Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. I want you to jump down to verse 15. The Bible says this. But the Lord said unto him, this is Ananias, says, Go thy way, for he, being Saul, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, again being Saul, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Our second character in the story is Paul the Proclaimer. Paul the Proclaimer. In this passage, he's named Saul. We find out a little bit later that he is now referred to as Paul. And Paul is an extremely zealous man. He's extremely zealous for the cause that he believes is right. And that, in this case, is persecuting Christians. Persecuting people who claim the name of Jesus Christ. And on his road, on the way to Damascus, he is met by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, God, had chosen him to be a vessel that would take the name of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. So let me put it to you this way. Paul has a talent. Paul has an ability. At first, he was using it wrongly. He was using it to pad his own pocket, but now that he knows Jesus Christ, Paul is going to use his talent and his ability to promote the name of Jesus Christ in every city that he comes to. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed, which means he tried, he endeavored to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now, hopefully you can understand this, right? He was just persecuting the church and now all of a sudden he's a disciple, right? Haha, <laughs> yeah, right. Continue. Verse 27, but, who's the next word? Barnabas. But Barnabas, the encourager, took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Verse 29, and he spake boldly, this is Paul or Saul, in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. Now again, this is where the two characters meet. 
In any good movie, in any good story, at some point the characters meet. That's the whole point in describing these characters. And here, Paul meets Barnabas, Barnabas the encourager. The encourager comes and says, hey, Paul, I see you're having a little bit of trouble getting in with the apostles here at Jerusalem. Let me help you out. Let me encourage you. Let me come alongside of you. Let me exhort you. Let me lift you up. Let me be with you. Paul used to be a persecutor. Barnabas comes alongside of Paul and encourages him and helps him out. Pretty amazing. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse 1. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, watch this, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, because Paul and Barnabas are such a good team, because Paul is the proclaimer and Barnabas is the encourager, because they work so well together, the Holy Spirit calls them to do a work in the world. Hey, I want you to go out and I want you to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. They're sent away to do that work. Pretty exciting. Now look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 13. So, excuse me, and verse 4 says, And so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Enter the third person, John Mark, the minister. John Mark, the minister. Here we are introduced to another character in the story. His name is John. John, we see here, is doing what? He's ministering to Barnabas and Saul, or Barnabas and Paul. So you got to think about who John Mark is and what ministering is. If you say in our vernacular today, well, I'm a minister, most people think that you're doing what I do standing up here right now and telling everybody and preaching to everybody. That's not what's going on here. John Mark is simply a servant. John Mark is simply doing the nitty-gritty details of everyday life. He's helping Paul and he's helping Barnabas in any way he can. Hey, Paul, you need something to eat? Let me go get that for you. Hey, Barnabas, you, you need that taken care of? Let me, let me send that off for you. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do the nitty-gritty details of ministry life for you. Let me help out in any way I can. So we have John Mark, the minister. Now I want you to actually go back a couple of verses to verse 25 of chapter 12. Verse 25 of chapter 12, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Okay, so they kind of finished this ministry. They're kind of doing some things, and now they're beginning to transition a little bit into missionary life, and they need someone need somebody to come with him. So it seems, if you will, that John has the gift of ministry. God, John has the gift of servanthood. And it seems that he actually learned that from his mother. From his mother. Go back to chapter 12, verse 12. Context here is Peter is in prison. Peter's in prison. He's been in prison for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And there's a prayer meeting going on. Look at verse 12. 
And when he had considered the thing, this is Peter, because he had been released from prison, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. This is important. It's an important part of the story because his mother, John Mark's mother, guess what she is? She's a servant. She's a servant as well. Hey, we're having a prayer meeting. Hey, everybody, why don't you just come over? Come over to our house. We're going to pray tonight at my house. And Peter, that's where Peter ends up after he's released from prison. So this John just has a natural gift of the ministry. He has a natural gift to serve. His mother before him did this. So you can picture this. Mark, John Mark has this gift. And guess what he's doing? He's using this talent. He's using this ability for the cause of Jesus Christ. Barnabas has the gift of encouragement. He's using that for the cause of Christ. Paul has the gift of proclaiming truth, and guess what? He's using that for the cause of Christ. And John Mark, servant, using his gift, his talent, his ability for the cause of Christ. Now I want you to picture this. Okay, we have three separate men. Three completely separate men, three completely different upbringings, three completely different backstories. What does the Lord do? The Lord takes them and he puts them into one unit. He puts them into one unit in which they will now all go out and they will begin to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to every city that they come. This is Paul's first missionary journey. These are the three men. Honestly, it's a pretty amazing picture. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful opportunity to see these three men coming together to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. But unfortunately, something happens. Look at Acts chapter 13 and verse 13. Double 13s, in case anybody's paying attention to anything like that. Verse 13, the Bible says this, when Paul, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, watch this, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Oh no. John the minister. John the servant. I don't know why. All that's happened so far is, remember Bar-Jesus? Remember us talking about Bar-Jesus? Bar-Jesus tries to keep Surge, remember Surge? Tries to keep Surge from getting saved. And Paul says, basically, you get out of the way. And Sergius Paulus gets saved. I don't know why, but all of a sudden, the next thing we read, John Mark is departing from them. There could be a myriad of different things. uh, It could be that he just wasn't up to the task. Too much work. Maybe it was burnout. It could be that he got a little scared with Bar-Jesus. It could be that he had something to take care of at home. Maybe his mother. Like The list could go on and on. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is this. John, one of the third amigos, one of the three stooges, if you will, he says, I can't do this anymore. And he departs. John Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas, for lack of a better phrase, high and dry, and heads back to Jerusalem. Now, anytime a team member just up and leaves, there's a great deal of shuffling that has to happen. No doubt, Paul and Barnabas had placed a great deal of responsibility on John Mark, a great deal of trust in him. 
He was obviously doing a good job, otherwise they wouldn't have taken him. John Mark provided, again, for the daily needs of the ministry. He was just there all the time. He was there when they needed him. Hey, John Mark, can you just get this done for us? Yep, no problem. So they're left without John Mark. need to introduce you to one more character. Last week in the book of Acts, we looked at an issue that arose between some of the Jews against the Gentiles. Some of the Jews thought the Gentiles needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. Well, this was remedied, and the council determined that this was not a burden that they needed to place on the Gentiles. And so, Paul and Barnabas, what do they do? They go from Antioch to Jerusalem to talk about this. And they say, listen, we're not going to give this to the Gentiles. That is not something that needs to be done. That is against the Bible. That is not what God has called us to do. And so they're going to send Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch to let everybody know that, hey, we're not going to put this burden on you. But they're sending them back with a letter. And they're going to send them back with two other men to enforce the validity of the letter. Go to Acts 15. Acts 15 and verse 22. Acts 15, verse 22. The Bible says this. Then pleased that the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Jump down to verse 25. It seemed good unto us, this is the letter, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded, hazarded, that's a tough one, their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. And he continues, but jump down to verse 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, what did they do? They exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. So here we are introduced to the fourth character, Silas the Exhorter. Silas the Exhorter. He is a man that has put his life in danger for the cause of Christ. I will use the term hazarded. He hazarded his life. We find out in this passage he is chief among the brethren there in Jerusalem. We find out here he's an excellent speaker. He's a prophet. And what does he do? He exhorts the brethren. He confirms what was already said. So instead of coming to Antioch, Silas and Judas, right? Silas and Judas come from Jerusalem to Antioch to support the letter. And Judas heads back to Jerusalem. But I want you to see that Silas decides that he's going to stay here in Antioch. Look at verse 33. And after a space they had tarried there a space. Excuse me, and after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles, notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still. So I don't know. Again, I don't know what's going on, but here in Antioch, Silas is like, I don't know, but I'm going to stay here. Something attracts me to this place, and I'm just not sure, but I'm not going back to Jerusalem. I'm staying here in Antioch. I've tried to do my best to burn through that as fast as possible, giving you a character sketch. As to the characters of the story, now let's take a look at the story. Look at verse 35. The Bible says this. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch. What did they do? They were teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, 
Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder, one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, which is Barnabas' hometown. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. The title of the story is The Great Debate. The Great Debate. Now, we need to establish a few facts here as we get into this story. I want you to see in verse uh, 37 the word determined. Determined, verse 37. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Barnabas was steadfastly determined to take John Mark with them. One commentator put it this way. Barnabas was bound and determined to take John Mark on this ministry. He said, this is what's going to happen. But you have to notice Paul's viewpoint found in verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. I love words in this thought not good. is a very emphatic word. It sounds very light and fluffy. Ah, that's not a good idea. No, 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 no. This implies the meaning that, and the context shows us this, that John Mark was not worthy of coming. Notice again, Paul thought not good to take him with him. Why? Who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Listen, John Mark is not worthy to come with us. He left us high and dry. He walked away. He was not willing to do the work. So, it's a pretty big statement of Paul to say. In some of our opinions, that's pretty rude. Verse 39, and the contention was so sharp between them, watch this, that they departed asunder. Just think of a book bound together. The Holy Spirit bound these guys together, did he not? Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. God had bound them together. And I want you to picture just grabbing some pages and just ripping them out. They'd been torn asunder. They departed each other. They were ripped apart, so to speak. So, if you will, this was no small disagreement. This was big. And quite probably, not a one-time discussion. This was probably consistent and over time, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. No matter what either one of them tried, he could not get the other to see his point of view. Paul, please, like, come on. I want you to understand John Mark. Paul's like, absolutely not. There is no way that guy's coming. He did this, 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 and this. And the tension is rising. 
And let's be frank, they both had extremely logical and passionate points of view. But neither of them could put their point of view down and concede to the other's point of view. One of the most powerful moments in a story is when we can personally relate to the characters of the story. So I believe that every one of us can somehow relate to someone in this story. Some of you will relate to Paul. Paul had been abandoned by John Mark. Paul was dedicated to the work of the ministry. He was walking with Jesus Christ. He was called by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He didn't have any time for this fluff and nonsense. Hey, let's go. we got a work to do. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We're not messing around here. We can understand that. So he feels abandoned. In a time when Paul would have needed him most, John Mark walks away. No doubt the words of Jesus Christ were playing over and over in Paul's mind. Luke 9, 62, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He is not fit. He is not worthy. Some of you may relate to Barnabas. You see, Paul was not looking to put himself in that situation again. Paul was not looking to trust John Mark again to be disappointed once again, but some of us will relate to Barnabas in that Barnabas was always finding the good in people. He cared so much about people. Barnabas was always finding good. He was always kind. He was always investing in people. Even Paul was extremely invested in by Barnabas. Remember? Barnabas said, hey, Paul, I see you're struggling. Let me help you out. Let me be an encouragement to you. Let me console you. Let me comfort you. Let me help you in the ministry a little bit. And sometimes we think, come on, Paul. Even you were helped out by this Barnabas. In Paul's lowest beginnings, Barnabas was there. So it's no wonder we can see how Barnabas would have determined steadfastly to take with him John Mark. I want to give him the opportunity once again to teach him. I want to give him the opportunity once again to train him. I want him to be there with us, Paul. Perhaps Barnabas even knew that John Mark felt sorry for what he did. He had already apologized, Paul. Come on. And so Barnabas and Paul. Some of us can probably relate to John Mark in this story. Poor guy. Messes up. Again, probably even apologized for it. The Bible doesn't tell us that. And now this thing's just looming over his head. He probably feels horrible about himself. Man, I shouldn't have done that. He's probably struggling with a little bit of self-confidence issues. He doesn't want to mess up again. He doesn't want to let the team down again. He's disappointed in himself. He can probably understand why Paul doesn't want to trust him again. On the same token, he wants to do right, and he's willing to make it right, and he's tried to make it right, and maybe, come on, Paul, just give me one more chance. Silas seems to be somewhat of an innocent bystander here, doesn't he? Just watching this whole thing take place, and then all of a sudden being chosen by Paul to accompany him on his journey. Now, this is the point where the great debate comes in. The question is this. Who was right? 
Who was right? Commentators have talked about this for centuries. Who was right? Was Paul right to deny John Mark? Was Barnabas right to stand by John Mark and give him a second chance? Who was right? Can I be honest with you this morning? That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. So often when we come to stories like this, we focus on the tension. We focus on the big explosion that happens, and then we try to make a generic determination as to who was right. But as I already stated, most of us feel what someone in the story feels. Some of us feel what Paul feels. Some of us feel what Barnabas feels. Some of us feel what John Mark feels. And so we are prone to say that the person that we connect with the most is the right one. Right? Oh boy, I connect with Paul. I understand. Oh boy, man, I understand Barnabas' point of view, man. He is right. Poor John Mark, he's just trying to do right. But let me get you just to think differently this morning. With that kind of logic, you know what we're missing? We're missing something far greater. We're missing something far greater. You see, the Holy Spirit had something amazing planned for this group of men. Something that they probably could have never imagined. Truthfully, both of these men are right in their own way, aren't they? They probably even both have scripture to back up their opinions. Truthfully, both of these men probably have said something that they regret. Again, we know these are men. They're not perfect. Have you ever been in a discussion with your spouse and said something that you regret? The Bible doesn't tell us that either one of these men are married, so they got to let out steam somewhere. So they probably said something that they regret. But let's look at the bigger picture here. We have four amazing people all in one team together. And with this contention, we now have two incredible teams that go their separate directions using their gifts and their talents and their abilities to further the cause of Jesus Christ wherever they go. Spurgeon says it this way. This separation though painful in its cause, was a most excellent thing. There was no need for two such men to be together. They were each able to lead the way alone, and by doing so, double good was accomplished. Listen, I'm not saying that their argument was good and proper. I'm not trying to excuse fighting in a church. But what I am trying to say is this, God had a plan. God has a plan. And God wants to do something in the lives of these guys, and he wants to accomplish something huge. He wants them to fulfill their purpose. And he uses this contention to help them fulfill it. Listen, Paul and Silas, guess what they do? They go on to do some pretty spectacular things. The rest of the book of Acts is written about them. Paul writes eventually about Barnabas. Sometimes we think, oh, we never hear anything else about Barnabas. 
We find out that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says something basically to this effect, that Barnabas is still in the work. Barnabas is still working. He's doing what's right. Paul writes about John Mark in 2 Timothy chapter 4 saying that he is profitable for the ministry. Sometimes we think, okay, Barnabas and John Mark, they're done. They're gone. They didn't do right. They, they messed up. We don't ever hear about them again. That's not true. God is going to do something spectacular in their lives. Paul gets it, and he sees it, and he finally comes to understand that both of these men are profitable. They're doing what God has called them to do. So please understand, here's the application. God has a plan for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. Each of you has a talent. Each of you has an ability. You may be sitting here today, and you're an encourager. That's who you are. You see the good in people, and you want to invest in people, even though other people have written them off. Let me encourage you. Give that ability to God. Give that ability to God. Listen, and bring those people along. Help them be profitable for the ministry. You might be a proclaimer. You might be somebody who just stands up and tells it like it is. Listen. You want to make sure everyone hears the gospel? Go do it. Go tell other people about the Jesus Christ that you know. Give that ability to God. Point other people to Jesus Christ. You might be a servant like John Mark, and you just want to help the encourager and the proclaimer. Again, give that ability to God. Serve as if you were serving Jesus Christ himself. Each of you has a talent. Each of you has an ability. And you were made to use that talent and ability for the cause of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, Jesus Christ will allow things to come into your life in order to show that you were made for more. Listen, I would beg to say that some of you, if not all of you, have been through a difficulty in life. I have no doubt that in this moment when John Mark left, maybe Barnabas felt discouraged. The guys that we're working with are gone. No doubt Paul was discouraged. He carries that, it seems, into Acts chapter 15. Listen, in moments where somebody leaves you and walks away and you think, I just don't know if I can handle this. Listen, let me encourage you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Don't give up just because somebody left. Listen, some of you may have gone through a major contention. Maybe you've gone through a major fight. Maybe you just had something bad happen to you and you just don't know how you can get through it. You don't know how you're going to take the next step. Let me encourage you just a little bit. Listen, God has a plan and has a purpose for you and he wants to accomplish something bigger than you could ever dream of. But sometimes he's got to take you through the fire. Sometimes he's just got to separate you a little bit. Sometimes he's got to get you alone so that you can do what you need to do, what you've called to do. Some of you may be in John Mark's position. Some of you may have failed. Some of you may have landed flat on your face, and you know it. You think, there's nothing left for me. I can't. Listen to me. Your past 
does not define you. Jesus Christ defines you. He's got something spectacular for you. Let me encourage you. Find an encourager. Find somebody that will work with you, that will walk with you, that will help you and say, listen, I need some help. I've blown it in the past. I'm sorry for it. But I am still here. And by God's grace, I'll do whatever I need to do to get back in the game. And by God's grace, I'll be the best servant I can be. It doesn't matter what I have to do. I will fight. I will do what I need to do. Listen, you were made for more than to live in the past. The Holy Spirit of God was doing something far greater here than watching two spiritual giants fight. He was multiplying his work. And we've seen that all through the book of Acts. Multiply, multiply, multiply. And now we see them multiplying it again. He was helping these men fulfill their God-given purpose. Barnabas now could be the best encourager he could ever be. And listen, we don't know who else he encouraged, but we know John Mark is a result of it. Paul and Silas, they go off and do amazing, wonderful things for the cause of Christ. John Mark, profitable for the ministry. Listen to me, God wants to accomplish something in you today. He has a purpose for your life. He has given you a talent. He has given you an ability. Don't let it go to waste because of something that's happened in the past. Don't let it go to waste just because some difficulty came up. Listen, because of a failure, because of a contention, don't let it go to waste. Use that talent for the cause of Jesus Christ. He can and he will begin something in you, and the Bible says that he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, if you will give it to him. And Sometimes you know what we need to do? Just keep giving it. Just keep giving it. Just keep giving it.